Hey everybody, and welcome to The Collective Podcast. My name's Josiah, and I'm one of our leaders here. Our prayer is that you find this next conversation meaningful and helpful in your relationship with God, no matter where you're at right now. If you're a young adult in the greater Akron area, and you're looking to find community, or just trying to learn more about God and Christianity, I'd want to personally invite you out to Collective. We meet at Grace Church Bath Campus every Thursday night at 7 o'clock. And if you want more info, you can find it on our Instagram, GCM underscore Collective. Now let's jump into our conversation. What's up, everybody? I hadn't seen that yet. That was priceless. That was amazing. Give that up for Carter, Jesse, to kill it. You know, we're always finding love in this place. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to find love. Um, Hey, everybody, if you're a guest with us, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, You you are coming at a great time. We are in the middle of our series called Soulmate, and we're actually on week three of our series, talking about just the struggles of of dating and the struggles of marriage and questions of marriage and questions surrounding uh, true love. And for the past couple weeks, we've been asking this question of what does genuine, what does genuine true love really look like? And we've been looking at different things. Uh, If you remember two weeks ago, we examined what does God say about what lifelong committed love is actually supposed to look like? And we looked at a passage in Ephesians talking about that. Last week, we talked about there's a lot of um, myths about dating. There's a lot of lies about dating. And if we're not careful with those lies, and if we can't bring them out into the open, we might fall for them and our uh, love relationships will fall apart as part of a result. And this week, we're going to take the things we learned in the past couple weeks, and we're going to give a lot of application, a lot of very practical. If you are a person that's just like, man, just tell me what to do, and I'll just do it. Uh, This week is the week for you. We're going to give a lot of application. And I will say this, uh, if you weren't here for our our past couple of weeks, you might want to catch up, because uh, maybe some of the things that we're talking about today might not make complete sense, or we could go in more in detail on some of our old weeks. So if you have uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can look up Collective Young Adult Ministry on that podcast, and you can catch up on week one and week two of Soulmate. So fun. Uh, so uh, this is going to be uh, really fun. Before we, before we started this series, uh, what we did was we, we actually held some focus groups. We had some focus groups of young adults in this age of life. Uh, we had some groups that were all dudes talking to all dudes, and we had some groups that were all girls talking to all girls. And we, we just asked some very simple questions of what are your biggest fears and what are your biggest dreams when it comes to marriage? What are your biggest fears and what are your biggest dreams when it comes to uh, dating relationships? And out of those conversations came a pretty clear and a pretty obvious list of what the highest quality dudes and what the highest quality girls, the, the people that you, you, you know, you hope to meet one day and you hope to date one day, what those people are looking for in a potential partner. We interviewed people that, uh, I don't mean to put anybody on pedestal, but in many ways they check off all your boxes. Uh, people who are fun, people who are motivated, people who are funny, people who have life direction, people who are convicted, who are passionate about things, you know, the, the people that you would be looking for. And specifically, we actually talked to a lot of people that uh, in their lives, they're fully committed to Jesus Christ. They're fully committed to Jesus Christ. And um, it, talking to those people, uh, realizing that people that, who are fully committed to Jesus Christ, often um, these amazing attributes kind of comes with the territory. So people that are committed to Jesus are naturally loving. People that are committed to Jesus, like sincerely trying to follow him, are naturally compassionate and kind. And we ask those people, what are you looking for in a partner? And that's what we're gonna talk about today. I remember in um, 
in high school and even in college, I mean, yeah, people are funny. I remember in high school, I would talk to my friends and, you know, my friends, I had all kinds of friends from all kinds of walks of life. And they would be like, bro, 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 bro. One day I'm going to meet a nice, a nice Christian girl. I'm going to meet this nice, you know, sweet Christian girl and we're going to settle down and we're going to have a family. It's going to be amazing, bro, bro, bro. And uh, we're going to have this family and we're just going to love each other and we're going to live forever. I just got to find this nice Christian girl. She's going to fall for me. And I, I when they would talk about this, I wasn't trying to be mean, but me and my other friends, we kind of think to ourselves, we're like, bruh, bruh, bruh. What, why would this legit girl ever fall for you? Like, I, I remember saying to my buddy, I'm like, I know you, bro. I was at the party with you. Like, I, I know what you do. You, you treat people really weird. Like, you can be a really weird guy. You, you can be really mean. You're, you're very uh, lazy. You treat girls weird, bro. You're thirsty. You, you, just, you want a girl so bad, but you don't care what girl that is. As long as she, like, breathes and can't use a urinal, you're good with that. Like, you, like I, I would talk, I'm like, and I wasn't trying to be mean, but we, me and my friends were kind of hitting at this question to my other friend of, like, not trying to be mean, but why would a girl like that want a guy like you? I'm serious. I'm not talking about looks. I'm not talking about social status. I'm not talking about anything on the shallow side. But why would a girl like that want a girl like you? Because here's a little secret. Here's a little secret. Someone who's mature wants someone who's mature. Someone who works hard wants someone who works hard. Uh, Someone who is full of conviction and passion wants to find someone who's full of conviction and passion. And someone who is committed to Jesus Christ wants to find someone who reminds them of Jesus Christ. And so what we're gonna do today is I wanna teach you about some of those things. I wanna teach you about some of those things. What we're gonna do over the next two weeks, the next two weeks, this week and next week, is I'm gonna give you an inside scoop. I'm going to give you an inside scoop of what the person you're looking for is looking for in another person. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, what a girl who loves Jesus, what they're looking for. And so um, dudes, if you're a dude, if you're a guy, take heavy notes. This is your time. You ever see that movie Hitch? You ever see that movie Hitch where Will Smith gets that fat guy to fall in love with that beautiful girl? Tonight is Hitch. This is happening. So write down some really good notes. I can transform anyone. You're, you're talking to the master. So uh, that's if you're a dude. And if you're a girl, I will say this. Um, if you're a girl, uh, you're going to want to be taking notes too. Because many times I'm talking to people who say, man, all my relationships keep going really bad. Or I can't seem to find the right kind of person. Or I can't seem to look for the right kind of thing. So if you're a girl, we're going to be talking about really what you should be looking for in a dude to have more successful relationships. And then next week, we're going to flip-flop. Next week is the single ladies. It's going to be really fun. Um, so you're definitely going to want, as we talk about what a guy who loves Jesus is looking for in a girl. Now, let me give you... Um, some quick disclaimers. Number one, uh, I am not a man's man. Um, I don't know, like manly men tell me that I wear girl pants. So uh, I, I, I hate, 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 hate when culture is like, you're not a real man unless you do blah, 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 unless you go hunting, unless you can shoot an animal in the eye, you're not a real man. And I, I hate that kind of stuff, and I hate it when they do it to women too. So we're going to avoid all that crap. Uh, there, are, there are some obvious differences that we know between uh, men and women. There, there are some things that even, even God um, ha- has said that are differences. So we're going to focus on the things that are true, but we're not going to focus on the cultural crap. I don't like that stuff. I don't like the Barbie and Ken stuff. So let's put that side. Number two disclaimer, this one's going to shock you, absolutely shock you. Uh, I am not a woman. 
I might wear women's pants, but I am not myself a woman. And so I do not uh, claim to speak on behalf of all of women uh, by any, any means. I hate it. I absolutely hate it um, when people, especially men, uh, belittle or talk down to women. And I hate it when people generalize anybody. So I do not claim to speak on behalf of women. Uh, what we're going to talk about here either comes out of the Bible or from what godly women have told me. That's what we're going to talk about. I am not making up my own content right now. And if I say something slightly offensive, uh, please, please trust me. I'm not trying to say anything mean. You can slap me in the face later. But please just, you know, don't slap me in the face. I don't know. I don't think I can take it. I'm not a real manly man. But you, you get what I'm saying. And lastly, we, for the sake of conversation, we're going to have to generalize a little bit. But I know you're all special. I know you're all unique. And when I say guys are like this, and you're like, I'm not like that. It's okay. God made you special. I understand you're different. It's good. It's good. Let's just try. Let's have a conversation. It's going to be fun. All right. Sound good? Some disclaimers. Let's jump right in. We're going to talk about three things that the girl you want, dudes, is looking for. Three things that the girl you want is looking for. Number one, we're going to start with number one. Number one, the girl you want is looking for a guy who will lead confidently and humbly. Number one, the girl you want is looking for a guy who will lead confidently and humbly. Now, some of you have already cringed up a little bit. Um, and some of you think I have maybe said an oxymoron by using the word confidently and humbly in the same sentence. Um, and, and that's because our culture and our world really doesn't understand what true leadership is. Our, our culture doesn't understand, especially when we're talking about Christ-like Jesus leadership, our world really doesn't understand that. If you remember in week one, uh, we picked apart Ephesians chapter five that was talking about what the husband husband and wife relationship looks like and the way that God designed it. So we're going to look at it again. We're going to look at it again. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21, it's on the screens. Paul says this, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now remember, we went into this in detail, but the word submit does not mean what we think it means. The word, we, we often think that submit means like demand your own way, submit to me, but that's not what it means in the Bible. The word submit means giving all of yourself selflessly to another. It is not a uh, sexist term. It's not a women submit to men term. It's a to each other, um, passionately and lovingly give the best of yourself to each other. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. You have to pay attention to that second part. He, Jesus, is the savior of his body, the church. The church is you and I. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Uh, and skipping down a little bit, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So hit the next slide. This is the image we're supposed to get in our minds, is that um, the husband is submitting himself to Jesus Christ in all of his ways. So the husband is learning from Jesus Christ. He is laying himself down before Jesus Christ. And simultaneously, he's laying himself down for his wife. And so what Paul is describing is, is wives, as your husband is following Jesus and learning from him and becoming like him, you should support and follow 
follow your husband. And together, you're both going to walk towards Jesus. You are both giving the best of yourselves to each other, and you're giving the best of yourselves towards Jesus. Um, now, when I say leadership, and when I say lead, there are, there are two views that come to mind and nothing in between, and they're both stupid. So we're going to talk about view number one. Stupid view number one. The first view of leadership is this guy who is just large and in charge. Just like this macho, demand my own way, bossing everybody around, arrogant, rude. I think of, I don't know if he was actually like this, but I would watch uh, movies about Steve Jobs and like the way he was and like he's, you know, leader, he's in charge. And maybe he wasn't like that. Who knows? Hollywood can take anything in any direction they want. That's neither here or there. But the, these people that are demanding my way or the highway, and in a marriage context, what, what that usually turns into is, is a man that is bossing his wife around. So it's, a, it's this aggressive husband with a passive wife, which we know is an unhealthy thing. The second stupid view is the uh, everybody's a leader idea, the little league idea, that if you breathe and you have ahead, you are a leader. Congratulations. And in a marriage context, uh, that often it turns into a passive dad or an absent dad, uh, a husband or a father that is the leader by not really doing anything. And so many of us know the dangers of what that can look like. But here's the problem. Neither of those are how Jesus led. That's the problem. If we're trying to be more like Jesus, Neither of those is how Jesus led. They're both insanely far from it. Uh, last week, we spent some time in 1 Corinthians talking about Jesus' love. And this is what it says. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It doesn't get angry easily. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Does that sound like a commanding, demanding, my way or the highway man? No. It sounds like Jesus Christ lovingly giving himself, giving the best of himself, even submitting himself to the needs of other people. Does that sound like an arrogant or cocky or rude man? Absolutely not. Then it continues. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Does that sound like a passive man? Does that sound like uh, an absent man? Does that sound like a man without conviction or drive or motivation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Leadership is not being in charge. Leadership is not being in charge. Think of all the people in your life who are technically in charge, but are absolutely terrible leaders. Maybe it's your shift supervisor. Maybe it's like one of your teachers. Uh, maybe it's just somebody like that. Where they're like in charge. I mean, I guess they're the leader, but if they weren't in charge, no one would listen to them. They're technically in charge, but if they weren't in charge, no one would listen to them because they don't know how to lead. This will, this will help everybody in this room. If you're trying to be a leader in this room, this will help everybody in the room. Here's a principle. True leadership is not demanded, it's earned. True leadership is not demanded, it's earned. I would go as far to say the second you have to demand leadership, you know you're not a very good leader because true leadership is not demanded, it's earned. So how do you earn that leadership? How do you earn the credibility of leadership? Well, look at the passage we just read. Through patience, through kindness, through confidence, conviction, drive, passion, through humility, 
through maturity, through self-control, endurance, never losing faith, never giving up, through sacrifice and love. You earn leadership by building trust, by giving the best of yourself to the people around you. So the girl you want is looking for a guy who will lead confidently, but humbly, not demanding his own way, not being arrogant, proud, or rude, humbly. Here's some quick tips. Here's some quick, every, uh, through all these, I'm going to give a bunch of quick tips. And uh, if you're a girl, you might just say uh, amen. Here's some quick tips for dudes. Number one, make the first move. Number one, what, what does it look like to lead confidently and humbly? Number one, make the first move. Don't make that girl try and guess if you're into her or not. That's just dumb. Don't do that. You are responsible for steering the ship. And on, quite honestly, she'll respect your confidence for it. She'll respect your confidence. No, no one, let me tell you something, a little secret. No one is looking for a dude who's never afraid. No one's looking for, everyone is always afraid. No one's looking for a dude who's ever afraid. Somebody's looking for a dude who can overcome their fear. So if it makes you nervous to make the first move, great. Do it anyways. That's number one. Number two, don't be cocky. Don't be cocky. If you were really all that, you wouldn't have to tell me. If you're really that amazing, you wouldn't have to say it out loud. Don't like, when you're, when you're like interacting with a girl, this is so off script, but like, like don't like try and like climb a tree or like, I don't know, like race your buddy or like, I don't know, say your Fortnite stats. Like, d- d- don't do it. Like, just, just be confident in yourself. Just be confident and humble. And number three, lead by example. Lead by example. Here, here's a big thing. Here's a big thing. Don't give in to peer pressure. If you don't give in the peer pressure, that shows that you're confident, that you can stand your own. Instead, lead other people where they need to go. Those are very, very attractive qualities. All right, ready for number two? Here's number two. The girl you want is looking for a guy who communicates transparently and gently. You get that? The girl you want is looking for a guy who communicates transparently and gently. One of the biggest things... uh, that separates a teenager from a, an, an adult is their ability to communicate. That's one of the biggest things that separates a teenager from an adult. Uh, teenagers, they have like two modes of communication. Number one mode is not communicating at all. How's your day? How's work? Fine. You know, like, that's, a, that's their first move. And the other move that teenagers have to communicate is just brain dumping, just vomiting. And when they finally vomit their emotions, they come out harsh. They come out hurtful and they come out with very little self-control. They bottle it down, bottle it down until it pops out like a vomit and hurts everyone around it. When you're dating someone, when you're dating someone seriously and when you're trying to fall in love, when you're falling in love, that person wants to know your heart. They want to know your heart. They want to know what you're thinking about. They want to know what's on your mind. They want you to be honest and they need you to be raw. I'll never forget uh, working at a uh, summer camp with my now wife, Sarah, when we first started dating. I remember my, my friends would kind of cover for me so we could kind of like sneak out and uh, we wouldn't do anything bad. We'd literally just sit there and get to know each other. It was, it was such an amazing time because that's what falling in love is. I wanted to know every single thing I could possibly learn about her and her heart and how she thinks. And she wanted to learn every single thing she could possibly learn about me because that is how you fall in love. So dudes, let me just say this first. Let me just say this first. If you want to fall in love, you have to learn how to open up your heart. If you want to fall in love, you have to learn how to open up your heart. You can't fall in love without 
opening up your heart. So that means learning how to communicate. So that's tip number one. But at the same time, I have to give a disclaimer. At the same time, you need to learn how to control your tongue. At the same time, we don't have a ton of time to get into it uh, because we have a lot of things to go through, but James chapter three talks about one of the biggest signs of personal, emotional, and spiritual maturity is your ability to control your tongue. It's one of the biggest signs of maturity is the way you control your tongue. Uh, James chapter three, verse seven, it says this, uh, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil. And catch this, full of deadly poison. Here's what happens so often. Here's what happens. Uh, so often we, we don't communicate what's on our hearts. We don't communicate what's on our minds. We don't let anyone in. We don't let anyone know what's going on. We don't let anyone share our burden with us. And if we're being completely honest, we get resentful of the fact that other people are not sharing our burdens, even though we never told them about it. We just bottle it, bottle it down until finally we explode. But our tongues are full of deadly poison. I I cannot tell you, being transparent here, I cannot tell you how many times I've done this in my life where I've stuffed it down, I've stuffed it down, and it just pops because I finally break. But when it pops, it comes out harshly. It comes out in accusations. It comes out angrily, and it comes out in grief. Let let me give you you this truth. Let me give this truth to everyone in the room, everyone, guys and girls. Um, Venting is not always loving. Venting is not always loving. Uh, Saying what you're thinking saying something at the peak of emotion, saying what's on your mind, it's, it's not always good, even though we say it's always good. Venting can be really good in a close relationship. Me and my wife vent to each other all the time. Me and my close friends vent to each other all the time. But here's the filter. Here's how you know when you've crossed the line. If in the process of saying what's on your mind, you fail to be gentle, you fail to be kind, you start being rude, You start being irritable. You can't control your anger. You lose self-control. All of a sudden, your venting moved from a way to become closer to a way to move farther apart. It became hurtful. And as the Bible says, as James says, it becomes a deadly poison because you fail to be loving. Above all else, our aim is to be loving. So take that for all of your relationships. So here's some quick tips. What are you supposed to do? Here's some quick solutions. Number one, don't let it build up. If you think of your emotions like a little balloon, just let a little bit of air out every day. You know, if you have close people in your life, let, if you let them know what's on your mind every day, if you let them know when something starts bothering you little by little by little instead of stuffing it down, the explosions become way and way less frequent. Number two, don't let it out while heated. If you are angry at somebody, if you are going to confront somebody, wait until you're not heated anymore. I can't tell you for how many times I, I, I've had to learn this by mistake. Sometimes if, you're, if something's bothering you, if somebody did something wrong or you heard something and you just want to, you know, you know, do that, wow, real, you know, do that kind of thing. Wait an hour, wait a day, wait a week, but don't confront until you've simmered down. Just calm down because nothing good comes out in the peak of emotion. Number three, this one is hard for me, um, but it's helped me a lot. Don't use accusations. 
Don't use accusations. When you go, especially in conflict, when you go to tell somebody what, what's wrong or what's happening, don't say you did this or you always do this or you never do that. Instead say, I feel like this. I feel like this. When you did this, I felt like that. I know you probably didn't mean it because if we're being completely honest here, we actually don't know other people's motivations. And when we let things stay in our head all day, all along, we let it turn into whatever we want it to be. So when you let it out, don't use accusations. Let the person you're talking to come to their own conclusions. And lastly, I will say this as part of the communication point, uh, not a quick tip. Um, but guys, guys, we need to be more responsible of communicating where we're at in a relationship. This is just helpful. We need to be a little more responsible in communicating where we're at in a relationship. Listen, just say it out loud. If we're dating now, say we're dating now. Don't, try not to leave any uh, ambiguity be in what your relationship is. If you're serious, say you're serious. And let me tell you, let me give you a little, um, some freedom. You don't have to be where she's at. If she's miles ahead of you, if she's miles ahead, you don't have to be there, but just communicate, just say it out loud. Take the responsibility upon yourself to communicate where you're at in the relationship. Why? Because that is the loving thing to do. Lastly, number three, lastly, number three, the girl you want is looking for a guy whose character is consistent across circumstances. i say that again, that's a few. The girl you want is looking for a guy whose character is consistent across circumstances. Guys, I can't stress this one enough. I can't stress this one enough. This is probably the most important one. Um, when you are dating seriously, when you're trying to find the one that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you're not in high school anymore, you're not asking a girl to prom, you're really thinking, are we going to spend our life together? Listen, dudes, she's evaluating you. She's evaluating you. She's watching you closely on purpose. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And you should be watching her in the same way. Every girl who is confident and independent and sincere and has high integrity, and especially every girl who is smart is asking this question, can I trust him? Every girl who's smart is asking this question, can I trust him? Can I follow him? Before I hitch my wagon to his, can I follow him? Before I put my eggs in this basket, can I follow him? Will he lead me well? Will he lead our family well? Will he take care of us? Will he take care of our kids? Will he take care of our future on the highs and in the lows? And let me be real about dating. Dating is a lot of highs. And you have to do guesses about what the lows are going to be like. And they're trying to make those evaluations. When we were uh, surveying the girls, and, and honestly, this has just been consistent, you know, hearing it throughout my life. Um, when we were surveying, the worst fear, the most frequent fear that kept coming up is from the girls is that one day you're going to get in this committed relationship. One day you're going to be locked in with this dude. And he's just going to flip a switch. He's just going to flip a switch and a different side that you didn't know about or you didn't think was that big of a deal is automatically going to come out. All of a sudden, the angry side comes out. But after we're locked in, all of a sudden, the selfish side comes out. All of a sudden, he gets distant. All of a sudden, he gets passive in the things that you fear that your spouse might be that after we're committed, after we're locked in, that's when I find out all the terrible stuff. And this gets really real, really fast. This is not a, a stupid fear by any means because statistically, statistically, half of us in this room already know what that feels like. 
Statistically, half of us in this room already know the consequences of a passive or hurtful or mistrustworthy father or husband is like. And the other half knows that if we're not careful, we could fall into that statistic as well. This is not a crazy fear by any means. So when the girl you want is dating you, she is looking for consistency of character in every situation. And now what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, here's the first one. Here's the first one to ask yourself, guys. Uh, How do you treat the other people in your life? How do you treat the other people in your life? Uh, you might seem like a really loving guy. You might be a really charming guy. You might got all the moves. You know, you, you do the chair thing and you do the passenger door, the car thing. Like you might, you might be a schmoozer uh, and you might be very gentlemanly and know how to build someone up. But how do you treat people when no one's looking? How do you treat people when no one's looking? How do you treat your annoying little brother? How do you treat your idiot boss? Here's a big one. Here's a real one. Here's a real one. How do you treat your exes? How do you talk about your exes, the people in the past? Um, uh, let me give you a little secret. Um, the way you treat the worst person in your, uh, in your life reveals how you'll treat your wife at her worst. The way you treat the worst person in your life reveals how you'll treat your wife at her worst. If you can't figure out how to respect your super annoying and competent boss, well, guess what? You're not going to figure out how to love your wife when she is being annoying. If you can't figure out how to honor your ex, even though she hurt you and did all these terrible things to you, then you don't know how to honor your wife when she hurts you and does something wrong to you. The way you treat the worst person in your life reveals how you'll treat your wife at her worst. And every smart girl in the world knows it. The girl you want is looking for a guy whose character is consistent across circumstances. Here's another question to ask yourself. What's your work ethic like? Right now, right, right now, dudes. What is your work ethic like? Remember, she's looking for somebody that's gonna take care that when, when, when the moment comes and when the time comes, a guy that will rise to that occasion to be able to take care of, there, there's a family, there's going to be kids. I, I, I want to be soft here. I, I really don't want to uh, come down mean or anything. Um, but if you say you're a follower of Jesus, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, um, but you don't work hard, you're failing to let your faith affect your entire life. If you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't work hard, you're failing to let your faith affect your entire life. And I'm just trying to be as practical as possible. Uh, By hard work, here's what I mean. If you're not working at least 35 hours a week, if you're not working at least 35 hours a week, including school, you're not working very hard. That's not a lot of work. It's very basic. Uh, this is what uh, it says in Second Thessalonians. Um, even Paul writes this. He says, even while we are with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. We command, we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work their own living. That is in the Bible right now. And Paul is saying, here's what he's saying. He's like, if you're not working, you're up to no good. You have to fill that time with some kind of bull crap. <laughs> You have to fill it. So you end up meddling in other people's business. If you struggle with sins at home, that's part of that. If you're playing video games constantly, that's part of that. And remember what we talked about last week, that just because you fall in love doesn't mean you're magically going to get this urge to work really hard. Seriously. 
If you fall in love, that doesn't mean you're magically gonna get life direction. Instead, you're gonna lose your love because you don't have life direction. So here's just a quick tip. Try and set up your week in a way where you're working about 35 hours a week, at least, at least. Try and set up your life in a way that you're working at least 35 hours a week. Get a job, any job. It can be a Dairy Queen. It's really okay. But get, get your job and don't complain about it and be the best you can possibly be at the job. It's just a little quick tip because real adults have to work hard when they don't feel like it. And right now, um, the, the lack of responsibility, it only affects you. But one day, hopefully, it's going to affect other people. And a little secret, if you're wondering why dating's not going so great, people are looking out for this kind of stuff, right? So that's part of it. And here's the very last part. Here's the very last part of this third uh, consistent cross circumstances. How do you keep your word? How do you keep your word? I'm, I don't know why I'm telling you guys this story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. Uh, I remember uh, when Sarah and I were dating, uh, well, at the very beginning, we had, this was like our first day ever. We went to the movie theater to watch Zootopia. And uh, to this day, she hates the movie Zootopia because of what I'm about to tell you. And so I was like, hey, Sarah, do you want to go on this date? I'm really glad we're going on this date. Hey, girl, do you want to go out with me on a date? Do you want to go on this date date? This is a date. Wink, wink, date, date, date. And so we go and we watch Zootopia and we said a total of 30 words to each other as we sat and watched the animals move. Um, And then we got out and we went into the parking lot and uh, we went home. And I remember I was driving home. I was like, I shouldn't be dating somebody. <laughs> I don't want to be, I didn't want that to be a date. Dang it, why did I say date, you idiot? You could have just gone to see Zootopia. Why'd you have to ruin it with the word date? And so I called her and I said, hey, Sarah, um, I don't know. Can we just say that wasn't a date? Like, can we not be dating? I don't know. I'm telling you guys, this is a stupid story. It's the dumb thing I've done in my life. Are you consistent across your words? I want to tell you an even worse one. You think, you guys think that one's bad? Let me tell you a terrible one. I heard, this, this one is significantly worse. I remember in the middle of us dating, in the middle of us dating, and you know, you know, you just watch these movies and you just think your life is just going to go like these movies, like the notebook and crap like that. And uh, I remember, you know, we, it was just a moment. It was just a moment. Uh, it was just feeling, I was just feeling on top of that. Uh, and uh, I remember I looked at Sarah and I was like, Sarah, I love you. <laughs> that was the first time I said that. I looked her in the eyes and I'm like, I, I'm in love with you. And then I was driving home and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, do you though? <laughs> and I called her up. I was like, hey, Sarah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I, uh, if I really love you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm giving you the worst possible stories in the, impossible, in the entire world simply to embarrass myself. And let me make this point. Let me make this point. I was not able to get married until I figured that crap out. Right? I was not able to get married until I sorted that crap out. Here, here's the point. Here's the point. This is very serious. I, I, you, you can laugh at me all day long, but this happens literally every day. Here's the point. Can you follow through on your word? Can you follow through on your word? When you hit a point in your relationship and you say something, can you follow through with it? Because here's what she's asking. Can I trust the words that come out of your mouth? Can I trust the words that come out of your mouth? And honestly, it took me a very long to, uh, to figure that out because I let my feelings guide my commitments. But guess what? Feelings suck at commitment. 
Feelings cannot be committed to anything because feelings go away. So she's looking for you to take initiative and say what phase of the relationship you're in, but can she trust the words you say once you say them? And let me say this, this applies to physical boundaries too. This applies to physical boundaries too. When you set a boundary, do you keep it? Or are those just empty words? Because dudes, let me tell you something. She's following you. So guess what? You probably can get her to go past the boundaries. You probably can. You probably can get her to go. And you know, she's lustful too. So maybe she's into it. You probably can push her beyond that. But what does that say about your character? What does that say about your trustworthiness? And what does that say about your leadership? Is your character consistent across all circumstances? So here's some quick tips. I will give you my quick tips. I will save you so much baggage in your life. Number one, don't decide something big in the peak of emotion. Number one, (laughs) there you go, very easy. Don't decide something big in the peak of emotion. Here's what you should do. I know the movies are adorable, but let me, here's what you actually should do. Decide something by yourself. Decide something when you're at your house or when you're away from her entirely. Decide something when there are no hormones moving in any direction whatsoever. And then once you decide it, and once you land on that conclusion, then wait for a very romantic moment and you can spring it on her and you can have a movie moment. But don't, just because the moment's going right, doesn't mean you should say it. Don't trust your feelings. Your feelings are stupid. Don't be like Josiah. Number two, when you do decide something big, let it settle in before you doubt yourself. Here, let me tell you something. I did love her. I did. I just doubted myself. It freaked me out. It just freaked me out that I said it out loud. There are times when things are going really well and you actually do need to move it forward. You do need to move it forward. So if you're being wise and if you're being prudent and if you're being smart and you're making the steps forward and you know you've made the right decision, after you make that decision, let it settle in before you doubt yourself. Let it settle in before you call her up. And I will say as a disclaimer, there are plenty of times when you need to take a step backwards, where you did make a mistake and you need to own it, where you have gone too far and you need to own it. And you do need to take that step backwards. But let me tell you something, dudes, 99.9% of the time, you are going to doubt the most important decisions of your life. So when you decide to make them, make them, wait a little bit, and then, you know, you'll kind of settle into it. It won't be that big of a deal. Those are the best decisions of your life. Here's how I want to land this whole thing. Um, when I was talking to the guys, um, and, and just everybody, but especially the guys, um, it was very clear that there was a fear of becoming these terrible husbands. It was very clear that uh, us dudes and, and girls, be careful with this information. Don't do something stupid with it. Um, but we're afraid of becoming like our dads. Or we're afraid of becoming like the people in the world around us. We're afraid that once we get there, we're not going to have the grit or the integrity or the character to be able to handle it. And guess what? We know ourselves. We know that I'm selfish. I'm hypocritical. I struggle with self-control. I struggle with my anger. I know I'm two-sided. So I don't know if I can ever be the man that she needs me to be. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to do this. And and here's what I want to promise you. I want to give every dude, every person in this room a promise. 
I promise you that through Jesus Christ, through looking to him first, you can overcome those weaknesses. Through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can overcome those weaknesses. You don't have to be your dad. We can look to a perfect example of love. We can look to the author of love himself. We can look to the one who laid down his life for you and allow him to be the most influential figure in our entire lives. Because Jesus Christ was never hypocritical. He was never selfish and he was never two-sided. He was always loving, always sacrificial, and he overflowed with self-control. And he wants to give that to you as well. Jesus Christ is the only way to cure your heart. He's the only way to be consistent in your character across all circumstances. And Jesus Christ will transform your heart if you allow him to. If you allow him to, he'll teach you true love. He'll teach you humility. He'll teach you sacrifice because he loves you, because he cares about you, and because he wants what's best for you. But I will say this. I will say this. And this is very important. You have to want him more than you want her. You have to want him more than you want her. Because only when you want him first will you be strong enough to love her for what she's worth. It's one of the biggest ironies, and as Paul says, the biggest mysteries of all time. It's only that when you love her second that you can love her with all of your heart. Because Jesus Christ will teach you to love, he'll teach you the sacrifice that you need. And I'll tell you that if you stick around Collective and if you stick around Grace Church, we will teach you all about Jesus Christ. You stay here and we will learn and we will open and we will look at what he is and what he is like. So seek after Jesus. As Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and the rest will be given to you and allow him to lead your life. If you need any help, I'm always here. Let me know. I love you guys. I want what's best for you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, Jesus, would you lead us? Um, God, we're talking about a lot of practical things today, but um, God, we know at the end of the day, it's only the transformation of the heart that can really transform our relationships. Jesus, we know that we need you We need you to teach us how to love, how to sacrifice, how to stay strong, how to be confident. So God, let's be honest about our weakness. Let's put it out there. Jesus, let us come before you with our fears and our doubts and our insecurities. And Jesus, I ask um, that you would show us your power and you would bring your power and your love and your grace into our hearts, into our lives, and transform our relationships. God, there are many in this room that know what they need to do differently, that know what decisions they need to make. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give them the faith to do that. Um, But God, let let this place, let Collective be a place that is transformed by you. Bring health, bring love, bring sacrifice, because you loved us first. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to the Collective Podcast. If you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, or you just want to reach out for help or advice or someone to talk to, we always want to make ourselves available to you. 
One of the best ways is to send us a direct message to GCM underscore collective or to send us an email to collective at graceohio.org. As always, you are invited to Collective every Thursday night at 7 o'clock at Grace Church Bath Campus. Hope to see you soon. Bye.